the King's Friend, today's Friends Sunday. I done a, a message, it's been, I don't know, a good year or so ago, called Friend Request. How many knows where that comes from? <laughs> Some of you are looking at me, it's like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> friend Request, I want to be a friend. Well, that word's kind of used loosely. I may not know you by name, may not know you by face, other than I want to be your friend. And a friend request. Well, we have someone from heaven that wants to be your friend. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. And he does send out a friend's request. Hey, I want you to know who I am. I want to know. He knows you. He knows about you. You can't hide anything from him. But he wants to come alongside you. And I'm so thankful. Before we get into reading God's word and we're talking about friends, what makes up a friend or having even friendship? There's three components that I want to bring up that makes a friend. One is association. There's people that are friends because of something they like or, or they're connected to that they that so they become friends because of those things they really like. So that's a friend association. But if you go a little bit further, the second point to really make what a friend is, is loyalty. You don't hear much of that today. It's me, myself, and I. If you can fit in there, great. If not, loyalty is not, even in companies anymore, they're not very loyal to the employees. They don't give that. So uh, to say my company really is concerned with me sometimes is uh, uh, something that's not even part of the equation. But even with friends, even when I say, when you say a friend request, uh, yeah, you may have certain association, but are they going to be loyal? If they find out something about you, will they stick up for you? Will they be there in the thick and thin? Will they help you in times of trouble? Third component that makes up a friend, affection. When you're affectionate with a friend, you see them, you may not have seen them for a while. It seems like you're, you, you just connect. How many's ever given hugs before? You see somebody and the first thing you want to do is run up and give them a hug. One of the things that I missed from my daughter when she was younger, when I would come in from work, I would look forward to seeing my daughter because she would run out and grab and give me a hug. Sometimes she'd jump in my arms. Okay. <laughs> I could hold her, but she loved me. And I knew it. That was an affection. How many has ever had a friend that had these three components? True friends. Friends that you know that you can count on can be there. I've had friends, very few, that fits this category. Some that have fit one aspect or another. Sometimes they just become acquaintances. But let's go to the Word of God because we're going to read about two men. They had a friendship that went beyond just a natural association. Verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 18. The King Saul had brought in David, which is a shepherd boy that knew how to play music. He understood how to play a harp. How many is thankful for music? Sue's a savage beast. Good music, you got it, you can listen to it. Pretty soon you feel the beat. My granddaughter loves music. And something we found out the other day, Hannah's been playing a song, says God loves you. And she all of a sudden grabbed that iPhone that my daughter has, and she started singing that song. Couldn't do it very well. That's what her, she was doing. She loved it. But she was just moving, and she just... Because it was a good beat and good things. But David was that type of person. He could come in and it would soothe Saul. Because Saul had a lot of responsibilities, but he also had some demons chasing him. And so David come in. And now let's read and find out some things that we find from David's life and from Saul's son, Jonathan. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off 
the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and the, his now and his bow and his belt. Some things that Jonathan took off because he was set up to be the next king. Jonathan was. His daddy was king. Now, he's set up to be king. But notice what Jonathan knew. He saw some insight in David. He saw some things. First of all, I want to identify with you. He took his clothing off. When Jesus went to the cross, they stripped him of his clothes. They stripped him of his identity, of his earthly identity. But he took on spiritual identity. But what it was saying, Jesus said, I'm going to identify with you as a human being. I know who you are. See me. I'm open. Jonathan, on one aspect, said, I want to identify with you. A friend identifies with you. A friend will give you the last shirt on his back if he really thought you needed it. He'll give you the last dollar he has if he thought you needed it. See, that's where the association, the loyalty, and affection comes into play. Aren't you glad for good friends? Amen. They're very far few in between, but thank God for good friendships. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open because we want to read a little bit more. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 20. We want to pull some things out of here. I won't keep you that long, but I do want to bring up some things about friends, about friendships, about those areas that we all need someone that we can relate to. Verse 14 of 1 Samuel chapter 20. And you... And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I am, I still live, that I may not die. Jonathan talking to David because he knew something was going to take place. Prophetically, he understood that David was going to be the next king. Then he goes on. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him for the for he loved him as he loved his own soul. That tells me that a friend is one to go a little bit further. Questions I want to bring up. Four points we want to bring out in this area of friendship. Who are true friends? <laughs> a lot of people says, I'm your friend. But next thing you know, they'll stab you in the back. Can I hear an amen? amen. I've been stabbed in the back many times. I've had people said, oh, yeah, I love you. The next thing you know, as they're leaving, the Take the knife and put it in your back. Some have left the knife and they just twist it. <laughs> so a little things. But in Proverbs 18, 24, it says this. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So that gives us some criteria. There's a lot of people like to be isolated and just be by themselves. And they never have many friends. But how many know God's created us for relationships? We need people we can relate to. We need those that we can pour into, that we can kind of unload at times, that we can say, look what we're going through. But Scripture says that they must first find themselves to be friendly. How many knows you come up to some people, they're not very friendly? How many's ever gone to a restaurant or to a store and the clerk or the one that's waiting on you are not very friendly? They don't smile. They don't look at you with eye-to-eye -eye contact. You're thinking, do I want to come back to this place again? Yeah. They tell us that because I have to work on the phones quite a bit with the job that I do and dealing with salesmen and dealing with other doctors and things of that nature that calls into the company that I work for. And when I do, they said, smile while you're on the phone. I go, that's crazy. Why do I want to smile? Because people can tell you're smiling. 
They can tell it in your voice. They can tell how your expression. I've had people call in and we've got different other ones in our department and they uh, will get the phone call from certain ones. Is Rick there? Yeah, can I help you? No, I want to talk to Rick. <laughs> I've had other people from other, other parts of the company that call in. Is Rick there? Can I help you? No, I want to talk to Rick. Because how you portray yourself, even when you can't be seen, sometimes there's the reason why I have an issue when we type things or we communicate with texting. What does the message sending me really mean? They could be really angry at me, but they send the message. Or they could be not be angry, but it sounds angry over the message. That's the reason why I like face-to-face -face talking, or at least on the phone. Young ones don't understand that. Let me text you. Let me communicate with an email. But it says, show yourself friendly. But the scripture goes on and says, there is a friend that is it will stick closer than a brother. That tells me there is a friend that knows who I am, that has these components. They want to associate with me. They want to be loyal to me, and they have an affection to me. The one that I'm talking about, his name is Jesus. He's the one that came to earth from heaven to show the affection from what heaven has because God loves you. Hmm. Let me say this. God loves me. Yes. Say that with me. God loves me. God. Thank God. See, true friends uh, stop uh, for a moment when they want to talk with you. They, they just want to converse with you. Oh, it's been such a long time. It's good to see you. You reminisce about old times. Reminisce about certain things. But how many people want to do that? How many people consider friends as truly care about you? Sometimes they reject you. But one thing is we're going to get into the message. I noticed with good friends, they don't want me to get in trouble. So they'll speak truth to me. Even at times when it hurts. Even at times when it feels like, mm, I thought they loved me. They do. Because there's a lot of people that will go down the path, and if I don't tell them, they're going to go down the wrong path. I want a true friend. See, God loves us enough. He gives us the truth. God loves us enough. He says, I want to be next to you. Jonathan loved David enough. says, I'm going to give you everything I have. That's like God. I want to give you all of heaven. I want you to have everything I've got. That's a true friend. How many times have you sent a friend to encourage you in your vision and dreams and everything about your life? When's the last time someone comes along and says, how you doing? Everything doing okay? What, what about last time I heard you really trying to move ahead? Is everything okay? Are you doing all right? They become interested of what's happening. And they want you to know that, hey, that I'm concerned. Even when you hit a wall, Anybody's ever hit a wall before? You've hit something, bam, it, it just, you just can't go any further. And you feel down in the dumps. You get what they call in the southern areas, the mulligrubs. You get in those areas where you feel like, I can't move ahead. A friend will come along and pick you up. A true friend will be there even when everybody else is running away from you. That's how you can really judge. Everybody wants friends, but I want someone that's going to be there. They not only have one association with me, they not only want to have loyal to me, but they have an affection for me. You can feel the love of a friend. You can feel the loyalty of a friend. I can pour into them and it stays put. I can tell them things and no one's going to find out. Thank God for those friends that you can have like that. But far too many people are not like that. If we're really honest, most of us would not, would have to concede that only certain people are so-called friends. They're so-called friends. They call me friend, but they get behind my back. They go do other things. They hang around other people. They do things that really is not, they're not there in a pinch. They're not there when you really need them. 
And maybe you've been there for them. Maybe you don't because you really like them. But all of a sudden, next thing you know, it doesn't come about. It doesn't happen that way. In other words, sometimes they trivialize everything that you are doing. Yeah, they do that to appease you. People do that. You know that? I want to please you to get you off my back. How many's ever invited somebody to church? Yeah, I'll be there. Sunday morning, they're not there. Hey, I've got an event. Won't you come? Instead of being honest with somebody, he says, uh, right now I've got some things going on. I can't be there. Just be honest with me. That's the best thing. I would count that more respectful than anything else. To say, hey, but I don't put people down because they don't, don't come. It just means sometimes people are just busy. Don't get me wrong. I know they are. I mean, we're living in a fast-paced society, and at times you're so busy, you barely have time to catch your breath. But there's some that will just appease you just to get you off your back. Get you them off you. You know what I'm talking about. David and Jonathan had something. So they didn't want to waste time. They didn't want to do this. They wanted to be around each other. They loved each other. They was best buds. Best friends, but it was more than just a friend association. It was more than that. They were loyal to each other. And so much, Jonathan said, I know that one day I'm not going to be the king. And I want, see, they want, Jonathan want the best for David. He wanted the best for him. He says, take what I have. It belongs to you because I know where you're going. I know what's going on. In other words, a, a good friend will take the back seat so you see you move up. See, they get happy when you are blessed. They, they see you get uh, moved around and, and climbing up the ladder, if you want to say, and they say, oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad for you. I, you finally deserved it. Jonathan was like that. See, that's what a true friend wants. He wants the best for you and the best for your family, the best for your kids, the best for your relationships. That's what true friends are like. David and Jonathan had that. There's another relationship that was found. It was between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. Ruth and Naomi. We've seen that it's, there's a book called Ruth. And they were in another country. And we see that all the husbands passed away. Even the boys, the mother's boys passed away. And we've seen the daughter-in-law loved her mother-in-law so much. Now that's unusual. To love your mother-in-law, to love your in-laws. Because a lot of people call them outlaws. Not in-laws. They're not in with me. They're outlaws. But can I tell you, the outlaws are the most wanted. So with that understanding, you need them up to get, just get used to it. They're part of that. But this relationship, because the daughter-in-law said something to the mother-in-law. Because the mother-in-law says, go, I'm going back to where I know my family is. Those that are living, because she lived in another part of an area. Says, I need to be around those. And the daughter-in-law says, where you go, I go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. That's an association. That's a loyalty. And that's an affection. All wrapped up in one. Aren't you glad that you can have friends like that? This is Friends Sunday, and many people are looking for friends, friends that will be loyal, that won't judge them, that won't put them down, that won't condemn them because of where they've been, where they've come from. That's the love of God. That tells me that God loves when we don't even love ourselves. Something we must understand, there's a harvest that can come, a blessing that can come if you find true friends. But you've got to say, what is a true friend? I've got many friends, but I got just a few true friends. The second point that I want to bring up, I want to talk about a friend that it's a super friend. There was one, uh, when I was growing up, there was called a cartoon called Super Friends because they wanted to work together. And these super friends were heroes in one sense. They, they, were, they had some abilities that was beyond natural abilities. And these super friends were like that. One uh, was Batman. How many's ever seen Batman before? 
Batman was that type of a hero. He made up his mind, I want to keep my city safe. I want to keep the things and care about that. But as time went on, there was one that came alongside a Batman. What was his name? Robin. Robin. Many of you know who I'm talking about. Robin was not as strong, not as good looking, couldn't fight as well as a Batman, but he was a friend and he was a loyal friend. He kept his secrecy to a point that no one knew that Batman really wasn't just a Batman or just a hero. What is his name? John? What was What is it? Bruce Wayne. That's what it was. Bruce Wayne. Tells you how much I forgot. I just remember Batman. But we see that uh, this Robin character was connected uh, to him so much that every time that Batman got victory, Robin got victory. Every time that something of blessings came, that it came to Robin. Every time that something happened, it happened to Robin. This is like Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. And when he died, we received heaven. We received the ability to be able to be free. We received something greater than what this earth can offer. See, Jesus is that super friend that if you allow him to be. See, we get to receive the blessings. See, I can't fight like Jesus. I can't do like Jesus. But you know what? That's all right. Because when he gets the victory, I get the victory. That's the reason why Jesus said that no gates of hell will prevail against the church and when the church has victory you have victory because you are a friend of those that knows the super friend and thank God for the super friend thank God for Jesus Christ thank God that he gives victory when you can't get it yourself thank God for the blessings when I don't have it within me thank God he said it is finished and when it's finished the victory was won because now I have a promise of heaven Amen. see I'm connected and I like what this friend is like because he not only has an association, but he has loyalty to me. Because the Bible says even though he's raised from the dead and even though he's in heaven, he's making intercession for you and I. And I can imagine he's looking down. And when he's looking down, he sees us. An affection. It's so much that when he was on the cross... He feels his forehead because the marks of the crown of thorns are still there because he remembers why he put that crown on or they put it on him. He looks at his hands and when he was pierced, you talk about body piercing, this was taking place, true body piercing because when he looks at this, he looks at you and he wants to reach out and, and give you an affection hug. He looks at his feet, says, I was nailed with those feet. He knows my steps. He knows where I go to. He knows what I'm facing. He understands and he looks. That's who Jesus is, a super friend. Aren't you glad for the super friend we have in Jesus? He's more than just a super friend. He's my Lord and my Savior, my all in all. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me that. Thank you that you allow me to come to an association with you. He doesn't turn anyone away. What a friend is like that. You can come in with all kinds of baggage. You can come in with things that you don't want no one else to know. And you give it to Jesus. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't judge you. He says, I love you. Yes. That's a super friend. He says, I want you to walk with me. Come with me. One thing I love, Scripture says this, and I'm going to bring it out, Proverbs 8. 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpens iron. One thing with a good friend, you get around him, you may have some rough edges on you. And that friend, that super friend will come along and kind of help smooth those areas out. Kind of help you get along. It's like... I don't like to maybe use this, but take a file against something that's a burr. And you get rid of the burr. They, but you get down to the nitty gritty. 
That little bump that comes up, that doesn't make it smooth. But when you, when you get that with Jesus, he comes along and he takes care of all those things of imperfections. Because that's what bumps are, is imperfections. And sometimes uh, we can't perfect ourselves. But when you've got a friend like this, he can kind of rub off the things that's been help, keeping you back. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. It comes into a place that that iron helps you out. You know what else it tells me? That he props me up. He helps me when I can't walk myself. Let me ask you a question. Who are you propping up? Who are you helping? Sometimes <laughs> you got to get out of your little area and go help someone else. That's not always an easy task. Maybe your neighbor needs to be helped. Maybe a coworker. Maybe even a family member you haven't seen for a while. Go help them out. Prop them up a little bit. That might make a difference. Super friends do that. Thank God for that. Third area I want to bring up. Because in Proverbs 27, verse 10, it says this. Do not forsake your own friend. I want to give you a story. It's a history story, but it's a true story. About a gentleman named Chuck Colson. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Some of you don't know who I'm talking about. But he was in the cabinet of President Nixon. And he was what they used to call the hatchet man. He was a lawyer. He come in and he was given tasks to do what needs to be done in the cabinet. Well, how many knows what happened with Nixon? Because Watergate come along, if you study history out, and Watergate was not a good time for the country at that point in time. It was in turmoil. Things were happening that should have not really should have happened. So Nixon resigned the presidency, and now Ford had to come in and take over. That was his vice president. We see that after this all said and done, Chuck Colson had to go to prison for a while. And while he was in prison, he found Jesus Christ. He found a friend that he didn't have before. But when he got out of prison, he was invited to a university. And when he was invited to university to speak, he got up there and these university students were not friendly to what was going on. Henry Kissinger at that point in time had got up and spoke and he really put Nixon down, really put him into a place. And they was applauding Henry Kissinger. They was giving him accolades. And so I guess what he said about, and they was booing Nixon. Well, when Chuck Colson comes up to speak, He's looking at the crowd. And when he's looking at the crowd, he's looking at his university and these students. And they were not nice because they was giving him all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, Chuck Colson comes up to the podium. And when he comes up to the podium, he goes, I know I could tell you about the good things of Nixon. And I know I could tell you the negative things because you already know. And the press has really done a number on that. I could go down that path, you wouldn't hear anything. But one thing I will tell you, I know Richard Nixon, and he is a friend of mine. And he done some things, yes, that was not so good. But one thing I do know, friends don't forsake friends. It got silent in the room, quiet in the room. The auditorium just, hush. Chuck Colson going, what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden, simultaneously, everybody got up and started applauding until they raised a roof because they understand loyalty. They understand what loyalty is about. They understand that you need to be loyal to the friends that you have. And loyalty is being a lost art these days. Being loyal to somebody that even has done some evil and rotten things sometimes can be hard to take. But I'm telling you, there's people that needs a friend. And God wants to be that friend to you today. We're talking about friends and friendship. God loves even the worst vile sinner. God doesn't want to condemn anybody. God wants you to come and says, I will be loyal to you. I will be a friend that where no, else can, no one else wants to be. It shocked everyone in that auditorium as Chuck Colson got the applause because he said, 
I am a friend of someone you don't really respect. But they understood loyalty. They understood that loyalty had to be there. Friendship is like that. Who is a true friend? Do they have these components I've been talking about? Are they a friend that you can really classify as, hey, they go above and beyond. They're kind of like a super friend. If you don't have one, let me introduce you to one. And then be loyal to the one that is a friend of yours. Be loyal to that one, even though they make mistakes. Don't be afraid to tell them. Far too many people are not afraid, afraid to tell you what they think, but they, if you try to tell them some things to help them out, they don't want to hear it. But Scripture is true. We must be iron sharpening iron. There's rewards to friendship. The last point I want to bring up. Rewards to friendship. We need friends. Proverbs 18, 24 says this. A man who has friends must, again, show himself friendly. But there is a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. There's friend rewards in friendship. Real friends are concerned about what you are becoming. What you are happening in your life. They want to concern. That's rewards. Because when you run into them, it's not all about me, myself, and I. They start asking, how are you? What's going on with you? That's like Jonathan and David, as we read about. Uh, Dave, Jonathan was concerned about David, what was happening. Because eventually, King Saul started chasing after David. But Jonathan was still such a friend that no matter what his father was doing, which he knew was wrong, he was still loyal to his friend David. That's loyalty. When the world turns their back on you, when the world says no to you, when the world would, would like to uh, eliminate you from this face of the earth, God says, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. That is a true friend. That is a reward that I need. I need someone that will relate to me. I need someone that I can converse. I need someone that will be loyal to me. When I come to him, he's not looking at me what I look like. Trust me, I put on a nice pretty clothes today. I took a shower just for you. Aren't you glad? But yesterday, my hair was messed up. My breath, oh, didn't smell so good. As a matter of fact, even my deodorant didn't help me out any. It was hot and I was doing some work. I didn't look the prettiest. I didn't look, smell the prettiest. Thank God my wife loved me. She even kissed me. Then she goes, okay. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God can be a true friend? Be a loyal friend? One that cares for you? One that will never <laughs> turn his back on you because his back was put on the cross. Because when you see the cross... All you see is what his back was against. That tells me something. That tells me that he took the pain and suffering that he could look at you in the eye and says, I'm doing this for you. I love you. That's a reward because when he said it is finished, he said, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a reward. This life will pass away, but I can have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. A super friend, a friend that will never leave me, forsake me. And when I die, he's going to carry me into the heavens, into the heavenly places where God and where he abides. Thank God that's a real friend. Thank God that's a reward that I know because he's concerned because he says, come to me and cast all your care upon me for I care for you. Amen. See, when you have some things in your life, you don't know which way to go, which way to turn. You, you need to say, God, I'm coming to you and lay it at the cross, lay it at his feet, cast it there. God, I cannot do it by myself. True friends, they give you a hand up instead of a hand down. They give you a hand up. Let me lift you up. Aren't you glad for true friends that can do that? Even when you fall, they want to pick you up. 
Another thing that I noticed with rewards, they want to take the pressure off if they can. They see you carrying a load. That's why when you go to funerals and you see people under such stress of losing a loved one, where family members are, are there and there it is. What does a lot of people want to do? Give you a hug? They were trying to take the load off of you. They tried to help you and, and be there. Sometimes you can't even say a word that would encourage because they don't remember. Their mind is so into what they're going through. But the ministry of presence is there because when you show up, they remember you being there. They will remember that long after. Trust me, I've done many funerals and I've said a lot of things. They don't remember anything I said, but they remember the time I was there when they was at their lowest point, when they had lost everything they thought they had, when they lost a loved one or some friend, and now you're there and they remember you there. They remember that you didn't have to say any word, but you were there. They was concerned. They want to give you a hand up. They want to help you carry the load. They want to do everything they can. Now, that's a friend. That's a true friend. That's a reward. There was a, a gentleman that came here. Come here just for a little season with us, but I come to respect him. Buddy? Anybody remember him? Buddy? Remember him? Who is he, Sister Dina? Who is he? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure, but I know him. What do you Can, he, a, well, brother, he, a brother? Yes. Mm-hmm. I came here. He passed away. Your brother. Oh, my brother. Okay. I, I, I had somebody else in mind, so I'm sorry. That's fine. That's fine. He came here. One of the things he did, he had been battling cancer. Had been in, given a task. You need to go to this church. Came to this church. Sit here. First Sunday he got in. Man, he really got in with this church. I go, wow, send more like that. Amen. Yes. But he wanted everyone to know the friend that he found many, many years ago. Every time he would get in the hospital, they would do the treatments. You know what he's talking about? Jesus, his friend. <laughs> That's a reward that you get because even though when you're going through those tough times and, and things like that, that friend is there to lift you up, not to put you down. That's concerned for you. That's what he was about. Now, he was a type that he would let you know. He would tell you. He would let you know. Yes, Brother Larry. He was the most real Christian that I ever saw in my life. He loved the Lord. He was loyal to the friend called Jesus. Absolutely. He had an affection towards Jesus, but he had an association with Jesus. He won everyone. Something times that I would go visit with him, and I walk in, and when I walk in, this is another point that true friends will do. I'd walk in, I'm thinking, okay, I know he's been going through some things. What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? What, what's his, I don't want to offend. And all of a sudden, he'd, I'd walk in, and he'd make me laugh. Where's this coming from? He says, Pastor Rick, you wouldn't believe what took place. And he was just going on like this. And I'm going, you could tell he'd been going through some areas in his physical, but he would laugh. And he'd get me laughing. See, that's what a friend wants to do is make you laugh every once in a while. Kind of give you a little humor every once in a while. Kind of lift your spirits a little bit. That's the way he was. I'll never forget that walking in that room. I'm thinking, how am I going to lift him up? And all of a sudden, I walk out of there being lifted up. That's a true friend. That's a friend that, that wants to help you in the times when you're going through things. And see, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do other than just be there. And I was going to pray for him. And next thing you know, let me pray for you. I thought, wow. Amen. But something else I noticed with my brother. How's the church doing? How's things going? Then he wants to hold you to accountability. Don't give up. He pointed his little finger at me. Don't give up. He says, you keep preaching. He held me to an accountability. I says, yes, brother. 
I have another one that wants to hold me to accountability, and his name is Jesus. Don't give up. See, in heaven, there's rewards handed out to those that are faithful, to those that will stay the test of time, to will endure. That's true friendship. And when we see Jesus, he's going to hand out rewards to those that's been faithful to him. That's been loyal to him. That has an affection towards him. That wants to talk about their friend. Talk about him being a loved one. Talk about him being my brother. Talk about him being my savior. He's my Lord. He's my all in all. That's the way I understand my brother was. When I'd walk in the room, he not only make me laugh, but he says, keep on preaching. Brought accountability. Brother, I can't give up. Even though I've been going through things, I got to make heaven my home. I got to see my Jesus. I've never seen him face to face, but he wants me to be a friend of his. He's given me a friend request. Said, don't give up. You'll see me sooner or later. One day you're going to cross over and now I can hug you. I can hold you and I'll never let you go. And that's the way Jesus is. Thank God for that. Aren't you glad for friends? I'm so thankful for friends who will not only sometimes be honest when it hurts. Because sometimes you need just be somebody to be point blank at you. Don't go around the bush. Go through it. <laughs> Let me know. Let me understand. Because sometimes I may be heading down a path that is not good for me. There's some people who just want friends to be, yes, friends, instead of being true friends. Just make me feel good. That's all I want. And that's the type of, of people that when they go to some churches, that's all they say. Preacher, don't bring me something that convicts me. Don't bring me anything that will bring harm to me or that hurts me when I leave. But I want some truth, though. There's every once in a while I like my toes stepped on. If you have to, just kick me in the shin. <laughs> just wake me up a little bit. That, that's a true friend. Not one just say, yes, yes, yes. I can find them a dime a dozen. Oh, you're fine. Go ahead and do it. Get yourself in a mess. Go ahead and do it. Uh, I'm happy for you. You know what? It's not about just being happy. It's about knowing what God wants for you. He wants the best for you. He loves you. And sometimes that's not easy to take. But we serve one that wants to give you the truth. Amen. 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 There are many times I give advice to people over the years. And there's been times God dealt with me telling this, but God, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? God, they'll be mad at me. And I've had some, I, I had a, a good brother, friend of mine that pastored a church in Kentucky. And when he was pastoring his church in Kentucky, his name was Rick also. And he was there and, and it was his first Sunday. He gets up and he starts talking and ministering and God dealt with him and church really went good. But there was a church that had a good amount of uh, rich folks in it. And the one that was a millionaire, one of the millionaires that was there had helped give enough money to build the church with his app. So after church, he's standing there and Pastor Rick was just greeting people, getting to know some people. And this guy comes up and he says, you know what? If you play your cards right, you can have that vehicle that's out there. He looked at me and says, I don't gamble. So, so keep your cards. Oh, that rich man was so mad and so upset. His wife had to come and get him. Get out of here right now. She rushed him out the door. So Pastor Rick's wife said, I think you made him mad. He goes, well, says, what can I say? There's only one Lord in this place. Amen. Only one Lord. I says, and he's trying to play me. He says, I don't know what it is. So the next day he was in his office. Guess who pulls up in the parking lot? Guess who comes in the doors of the office? Secretary comes in, says, so-and-so's here. He goes, oh, I'm about to get a punch in the nose. I could just know it. He walked in, and he sat down. He looked at it, he says, Pastor Rick, he goes, you meant what you said yesterday. And I goes, yes, I did. He says, I want to tell you, he says, there's only one Lord in my life, and that's it. He says, I don't play around with what he has given me. He goes, 
You meant what you said. You know how many other ministers have been in here says, I've had the chance to buy them out? He goes, well, I'm not here for money because I'm here because God sent me. He goes, you meant that, didn't you? He goes, yes. He goes, I've never had anyone talk to me like that. But he says, I couldn't sleep all night long. I went home because what you said kept bothering me. He says, I got in the middle of the night and I paced. I said, I almost come to your house. He goes, if he can be your Lord, I want him Lord of my life. He had never been saved. He had built the church, give money. He had just been coming and sitting in the pews. And his mama was saved, but he wasn't saved. He was interested in money. He goes, I could give everything up if I can have him the Lord of my life. That day in his office, he knelt down and accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And friend, six months later, that man was in the grave because he found out he had cancer. And he passed away. But... If the one hadn't stepped up and said, Jesus is my true friend and I'm loyal to him and I have an association with him and I will not let my affection go to anything else. Sometimes we look at people and yeah, they're my friend because they just say yes to me. But sometimes you need one that's going to say, I don't think that's the right thing to do. You're not going the right path. Yeah, they make me laugh every once in a while. Yes, I can come along and they give me a hand up, not a hand down. They give me a high five when I'm going through some things. Thank God for friends like that. Today is Friends Sunday, and some of you have been invited because we're having a meal afterwards. Great, I'm glad you came. But more than that, I want you to get ready for a meal that's going to be out of this world. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the Bible says our friend Jesus is going to serve us when we get on the other side. Now, I can't tell you what's on the menu, but I can tell you this. It's out of this world. <laughs> Maybe the angels are fixing up something great. Maybe something's going on, but I don't know. Maybe Jesus himself is fixing the food. But the Bible says he serves me. What a friend we have in Jesus what a friend we have in him. Something that I noticed because the last chapter we read from 1 Samuel chapter 20, it said something about Jonathan because he knew that David would eventually become the king. He says, remember me, the covenant we have, and remember the family that I have. Not knowing that one day that Jonathan was going to pass away because David remembered his friend, his buddy, his best buds that they were. He remembered the covenant. And one day he was sitting at the table and he looked at the servants. He says, is there anyone left of Jonathan's household? Is there anybody left that I can reach out and bless? King Saul's family was gone. All the family was gone. The boys were gone. Nobody's left. But is there just one? I remember my friend. I remember what he did and how we got a covenant. And they come to him and says, yes, there's one. Bobivashef was his name and was a boy. And as things were going on and they were chasing them out, a nurse grabbed a hold of the boy, ran him out, but fell and he become crippled. And so the nurse took care of him, hid him away so that nothing would happen. So they come and they knew where he was at. They found him out. They brought him to that. And you know what David did? David looked at him. He says, I want to bless you. I can imagine uh, this boy coming down uh, the king's palace and coming in where the king is at. But he was crippled. He couldn't hardly walk. He couldn't get it, but he was heading up to where the king's at. He said, I might as well face the consequences. And David looked at him. He says, what was taken from your father's family, I'm restoring back and more. He gave him more than what was even rightfully given to him. But then he didn't stop there. 
He says, I've had a seat that's got your name at my table. And at that seat, I want you to sit with me and eat the rest of your days. As long as I'm king, I'm going to serve you. That's like Jesus. I didn't deserve what I get rewards. I don't get that. There's times he blesses me with uh, some things in this earth and thank God. But more than that, he says, I've got a place that you don't deserve, but it's prepared for you. And then he says, I got a table set for you with your name on it. That table has been prepared. That field's been prepared, but the seat has been empty. You know what God is saying? I've got a seat that's got your name on it in heaven. And I want you to sit with me. I want you to come be with me. I want to serve you. And that's what David did. Every meal, he was with the king's kids. He was with the king. See, that's the king's friend. He remembered his Jonathan. He remembered what he had with Jonathan. And he remembered the loyalty he wanted to be with us and the affection that he had for Jonathan. He set up a chair. Can I tell you there's a chair waiting just for you? It's got your name and no one can feel it except you. No one can sit in it except you because God wants to be your friend. See, friends eat together. They run around together. They do things together. Ladies, you understand that. When you got a friend, you go shopping together. Us guys, we do things differently. We want to, ladies like to shop to the drop. They'll get in there and they'll try this dress on or try that dress on. They look at me and says, you want to go? Not really. (laughs) You can go and have all kinds of fun. Oh, but I'd just be with me. So I appease, I go, I find a place to sit. But as guys, we like to do things a little bit different. When we, when we have friendship, you know what we do? We get a little rougher once in a while. How you doing? That means, hey, I love you. It's good to see you. <laughs> it could be, how you doing? <laughs> I don't think that would be good. You slap me, I'll slap you. That's what Jesus is for us. He wants to be a friend. But I'm here to tell you, as David set up a chair, God's got a chair for you. No one can fulfill it except you. No one can sit in it except you. David never let any family member sit in because he knew there was somebody out there. He didn't know exactly, but he knew. You know what Jesus is saying? (laughs) I got a chair just for you. And I've been searching for you. I've been looking for you. I've been going out. See, Jonathan died. Jesus died. And the father says, they died, but I'm looking for you. I have something for you. I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. That's what friends do. That's what friendship is about. I've described many aspects of friendship. And God takes it all into that. Jesus has taken what the Father said, and I want to be a friend too. But the thing of it, it's your choice. Do I come and sit or don't I? Do I come to where he's at or don't I? Do I want to be a friend of his or don't I? The choice is yours. Jonathan's son didn't have to go. He could have stayed in hiding. But he chose to meet the king. He chose to go to the king's house. He chose to be in the presence of the king. And today, I'm telling you, God wants you to be in his presence. Stand to your feet if you would, please, hold the building.